two dudes, one microphone, absolutely zero calves. Welcome to Team No Cavs Radio with your hosts, Ali and Adam. Hello, guys, and welcome to episode 14 of the Team No Cars radio podcast. Adam and I are really, really excited to get back into delivering these on a more frequent basis. Uh, <laughs> I did promise Adam at the beginning of this video that I wouldn't mention our, our hiatus, if you like, from, from the podcast, but there, I just said it anyway. Uh, I do promise, uh, actually, I'm not going to promise because... I probably will lose my life or something, but we are going to make a massive effort uh, to to be on the ball with these now. Um, in all honesty and no excuses, things have been pretty, pretty crazy over the last few weeks and months uh, in our personal lives and with business. There is lots going on, uh, but nonetheless, we are in somewhat of a routine now, uh, working around babies and busy businesses and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but we will be delivering these on a weekly but on a weekly basis do hold me to that if i kind of let you down then give me a virtual slap on instagram dms or something to that effect and and we'll get it sorted but nonetheless adam how are you mate how's it going i'm good i'm good yeah yeah as we mentioned we've uh we've been away from it a little bit um it's definitely been a bit sporadic on the um on the, on the podcast production um the past probably year <laughs> i reckon these 14 episodes have must have been dragged out over a good I don't know what year and a half now, yeah. maybe. So, yeah. well, I, I tell you what the realization was for me was uh, when we decided to to restart this at the kind of beginning of this week. Um, I kind of had to try and remember how to actually publish a podcast. So I get I started getting up all the relevant websites and pieces of software that we use. They had all expired, so <laughs> it was paying out again for the different hosting sites and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that's I a big a bit- indicator. <laughs> the bit that indicated it to me was when you messaged me and said, mate, do you have the link to get onto the podcast website? <laughs> and I was like, um, maybe. I think it might be in a message you sent me about half yeah, a year ago. Yeah, it's okay. honestly, it's it's very complex um, doing these podcasts. It's all right once you know, um, but a little bit a little bit of time out of, of uploading them frequently and it kind of all goes to pot. But here we are. We should have this up and running and hopefully this will reach your ears. Um, What we were going to talk about today, Ads, uh, was basically just answering a fair few questions uh, that had been sent on uh, various means, so Instagram, uh, also our members' website, we put up a post in there asking for questions that people want answered. Um, Anything that we don't answer directly on the podcast, I'll I'll endeavor to message you guys back directly uh, in some manner just to kind of answer your questions, Uh, but a lot of the questions have been asked previously and we don't want to kind of... Um, constantly go back and forth answering the same questions so we will get back to you but they might not be covered on the podcast Um, but before we get into that uh, Adam what you've been up to dude have you been up to anything new or Um, not to do you know what mainly the focus now is just creating creating content for the website Um, that's the big thing right now I guess um, I'm trying to be a bit more consistent with with creating that again I remember I went a whole year, well, what is it, two years putting a post up every single day. Mm. And now, because it's become so much more sporadic, I need to get get back in the routine of doing that. So, um, mm. so yeah, other than the um, the kind of business side of things, been getting back into training myself as well. Um, that's been going pretty well. Obviously, uh, probably last time I spoke on the podcast, I've probably only been back training about a month. Um, and, and now, about 10 months back in, so... 
yeah, a uh, good amount of good amount of muscle put back on in that time. Obviously, your training's going particularly well, as um, anyone who follows you follows you will know. Um, but it'd be quite cool to have a little chat about those kind of things in upcoming podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what things we've been focusing on in our, our own kind of training um, as we've both made the return back from well injury and. Um, and Iron triathlon, uh, Ironman. Sorry, not yeah, not triathlon, mate. Yeah, don't downplay me, dude. This ain't no sprint. Say, Some like little short distance thing. This is <laughs> hell on earth, dude. Schoolboy work, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just gonna get abused by so many triathletes now who are gonna be yeah. like asking me when the last time I ran more than a, a mile was, <laughs> which is uh, like never, never. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, cool. So, what's the what's the first question we got through? I know we haven't actually discussed any of these questions that we've no. got. So, um, no. this is definitely going to be a case of us um, kind of testing our own levels of knowledge um, mm. straight off the, the bat. I'm sure there'll probably be a few a few questions where we'll perhaps be a little bit stumped, and yeah, uh, we'll I'll get to back edit. to you answers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, for the most part, I uh, I feel pretty confident. Mm. Okay. Well. There's one that stands out to me that I, I like the look of, uh, and it's from a good friend and online client, Jack Haig. Uh, Jack Haig is very knowledgeable in himself. He is also an MNU student, so uh, I know this questioning is coming from a place of just wanting to prompt an answer as opposed to actually needing an answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he asks is, uh, is nutrition timing, brackets, away from training, close brackets, overplayed, i.e. fats slash proteins in the morning for blood sugars? So this would be a pretty cool one to, to get into ads because I think uh, of late, uh, it's a bit of a uh, trending topic, if you like, uh, people paying attention to things like blood glucose, um, carbohydrate timing, all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff is quite prevalent, on, especially in social media within the fitness industry. Uh, so maybe we can delve into the more evidence-based uh, knowledge that we have in this area. So what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to actual kind of training performance itself, you know, if we're looking at the kind of weightlifting realm, it, you know, how you kind of time your carbohydrates and your fats um, away from training session is is of very very little relevance, you know, based on on what I've seen in terms of the research. If we're looking at things like um, endurance athletes, so training performance with things like that, certain strategies are such as like. Um, uh, recovering low from training with low carbohydrate availability can be very good um, for things like improving fat metabolism. So the, the, uh, our ability to uh, essentially use fat um, at slightly higher intensities and spare glycogen and things like that. But when it comes to the weightlifting realm, which is you know and kind of like the muscle building realm, realm, which is obviously what our kind of area is, I'm assuming it's this is where you know knowing Jack, this is where the question is going to be coming from. Um, I certainly think it's overplayed. You know, people paying too much attention to things like carbs and 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 fat intake um, away from training is really going to have very very little relevance. I also think in terms of muscle gain itself, um, it doesn't have a huge amount of relevance. Um, you know, carbohydrate itself is whilst it does help. Um, in terms of sparing, like breaking down of protein and things like that, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't be worrying too much about if you have periods of the day where you are, say, um, carbohydrate fasted and you have, you know, higher fat intakes. I wouldn't be worried about things like protein breakdown or, or things like that, as long as protein intake um, is relatively frequent and at kind of good enough quantities and qualities. Mm. Um, 
in terms of the insulin sensitivity side of things, um, it, it's, it's one of those areas where the research itself, you know, kind of done on these things is typically any, any research that's done on insulin sensitivity is going to be done in populations that have an issue with it. You know, like so diabetes, diabetes mainly, yeah. mm. exactly overweight, certain metabolic disorders. And so if we're looking at the healthy individual, the healthy kind of bodybuilder, physique athlete who's doing a lot of training, you know, essentially their insulin sensitivity is going to be taken care of by the fact that they are lean, mm -hmm. they are active, they're engaging in pretty much the best thing that you can do for insulin sensitivity, which is resistance training. Mm -hmm. And most of the time they're not actively gaining huge amounts of weight on top of that. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, for me, it's not something that I would be worrying too much about. Um, Carbohydrate fasting, so taking periods of time away from carbohydrate completely. Um, typically, when it comes to insulin sensitivity, you'll typically see um, just as good a benefit from, you know, let's say a 12-hour fast from carbohydrates as you would see from, say, a 24-hour fast mm. um, from carbohydrates, especially in in healthy individuals who don't need to worry about that side of things too much anyway. And so if we think, okay, a 12-hour fast from carbohydrate, let's say you have your last meal in the evening the, the day before at 8 o'clock and then you have your breakfast the next day at 8, you've got a 12-hour fast from carbohydrate, a 12-hour fast from, from calories without having to worry too much about what have you done with your carbs, what have you done with your fats in that time. Mm. And, um, and, you know, that's where I think that, I guess the, on the insulin sensitivity side of things, um, you know, I wouldn't be paying too much attention to, you know, am I eating a, a low carbohydrate breakfast or, you know, that, uh, things of that, yeah, that yeah. nature. So I guess that's where I'm kind of coming from when it comes to, to that side of things. I certainly think it's um, overplayed and probably not something that, um, if I'm saying, you know, probably anyone needs to really pay too much attention to. Um, I mean, what are your kind of thoughts on that that side of things? Yeah, I'm I'm in total agreement, and it's it's a strange one for me personally. And anyone who follows me on on Instagram and stuff like that will know that uh, lately, you know, I've been coached by someone. I am being coached by somebody who who does put some emphasis on this side of things. Now this is actually a really good opportunity for me to kind of give you my standpoint on this and give you my opinion on this because, uh, and Jack will know, Jack being trained or coached by myself will know that um, this isn't something that I use with my clients um, and the reasonings for that is for exactly what you just said. Um, and that is not to say in any manner at all that I disagree with Callum or I, I think that what he's doing is wrong or I think what he's doing is is putting my health in jeopardy or making me do something that's completely untoward. If what he was making me do was um, of a huge negative to me or was going to have a negative impact on my lifestyle, was going to have a negative impact on my health, um, was a big ask, then I wouldn't do it. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that I'm using Callum more from a perspective of he coaches me through other things, which we won't go into on the podcast, that I need his guidance on. And alongside that, he has ideas on these things. Now, as somebody who is, and Adam can vouch for this, who is pretty much ultra compliant, or I am a, a very compliant uh, trainee, if I'm being coached, then I, I will pretty much put up and shut up with what I'm told to an extent. So going back to what I just said prior to this, if I was asked to do something that was really untoward, uh, then I would start to question things. Uh, but having me, uh, you know, 
checking bits and bobs, checking my blood glucose, um, potentially eating a higher fat diet on my rest days. Is it gonna kill me? No, is it too much hassle for me? No. Do I use it with my own clients? No. So it, the, the thing is, the, the important thing is, is you need to have your own understanding on these areas and you, you can't just follow and copy what other people are doing on Instagram because that's where a lot of this comes from. And the reason that Jack has asked that question, whether he'll admit it or not, is because he'll see lots of other people on social media doing a similar thing. Um, but Jack obviously has the, um, the nogging to pose the question and question it rather than just follow it blindly. Um, and we all as listeners and as consumers of social media, etc., should take a leaf from Jack's book rather than just follow blindly. Um, so that's kind of my standpoint. Cool. No, I like that. It's pretty, um, pretty well balanced kind of um, perspective. Obviously, uh, yeah. Like um, as we spoke about, and also I think a good thing to bear in mind is that um, because of obviously certain reasons, there are things that you'll be needing to pay attention to that I won't be needing to pay mm. attention to. Um, you know, not going in kind of any deeper than that. And obviously, these are things that we, I do. You know, we do have to bear in mind. It's certainly not an area of expertise. Um, of mine when it comes to you know the things that Callum's having to deal with with you mm -hmm. and so my understanding as far as it goes does relate to you know kind of the the general population mm -hmm. who are perhaps not you know assisted in in any way mm -hmm. um, how things change when it comes to a different kind of um, uh, scenario obviously is something that I'm not yeah, and, and that's with, and that's know. part and that's exactly where I'm coming from with this in that uh, the whole reason for being coached by Callum is because he is well versed in that area and when your health is at risk or when your health is in hand uh, then you you should pay attention to the small details and you should be um, you know if you're if you're seeking guidance and coaching from somebody else who who is supposed to be well versed in this area then you should be following their guidance uh, and not kind of paying lip service to it um, and that is why I'm being coached by somebody like that because uh, I don't know enough about it and I'll openly put my hands up and say that I don't um, and so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing that doesn't necessarily mean that you should be doing what I'm doing or what anybody else is doing for that matter so uh, I think enough said on that on that topic I think for general population like you said just to summarize there uh, it's not something we need to be concerning ourselves with uh, if you're dabbling in the areas that we're talking about then maybe it's something to consider uh, but you should definitely be doing some more research into that area before kind of jumping on bandwagons um, uh, we'll kind of put that to bed there uh, okay so just trying to fish out another question here that isn't completely tongue-in-cheek um, so like who's got bigger calves now me or Adam definitely me it was always me though to be fair I mean it became you as soon as you started doing all that cycling and cardio stuff and like even even before that it was it was arguable whether I could have had anything that was resembling calves I pretty much go from knees to ankles and that's about it yeah. um, okay so I'm, I'm not going to pick out one particular question here but I will say that I can see three or four questions all on supplementation uh, mm -hmm. on supplementation that is readily available <laughs> to buy on the internet so things like 5-HTP there's a question on that uh, non-pump stimulants there's a question on just generally how often is it okay to take pre-workouts uh, so it might be an idea Adam if we talk about um, the kind of supplementation recommendations we give to our own clients the reasonings behind that uh, and then perhaps what our listeners should question or maybe steer clear of entirely mm -hmm. 
cool. I mean, the first, I guess, move, you know, starting off in in the realms of health, you know, the first things that I'm recommending a client takes is a fish oil. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so obviously a fish oil provides essential fatty acids that we need. Um, so we've got EPA and uh, DHA, and these are things that uh, are typically um, difficult to get enough quantities of it in your diet. You know, so. Um, something like a, a fish oil is what's known as a that they call it a nutraceutical. Essentially, it has so many health benefits um, that yeah, I mean it's it's a kind of no-brainer. It's something that I I recommend to to everyone to take. Um, moving on from that, vitamin D is another one that in terms of health, um, in terms of kind of immune function, um, bone health, general energy levels is something that I recommend uh, all of my clients take. Obviously, um, we live in uh, a pretty shitty weather country. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to come out with something so much more, I don't know. <laughs> Eloquent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we live in a, um, how you say, shitty weather. No, I'm not eloquent, mate. It's Friday evening. I was about to crack over here, but I thought, I don't know if I Better not. Before the question. <laughs> well, whilst, rec- whilst recording your fitness <laughs> fitness and health podcast. Yeah, so, you know, with nutrition, you just don't want to, you want to limit alcohol intake. And <laughs> <laughs> this is, I'm sipping away. Um, yeah, so yeah, so vitamin D, um, I typically will, will get people to kind of look to sort of three to 4,000 IUs per day. Um, in some sort of form vitamin d3 is um is the the supplement i recommend not vitamin d2 um so that's something to be aware of especially if you're you're kind of looking for just the cheapest supplement Mm. um i remember buying from um i probably i probably shouldn't say the name of the uh of the the store but it rhymes with no one listens to our podcast dude you can say what you want (laughs) so it's yeah aldi uh (laughs) And uh, yeah, I, I, it was really before I knew what I was buying, and I was like, "Oh, I need some vitamin D. This is well cheap." And it was just, but it was vitamin D two, so it wasn't quite the vitamin D that I was actually after. Um, so vitamin D, fish oils. Now moving towards kind of um, the training side of things. When we're looking at supplementation for training, what we're kind of looking for, and and, and when it's kind of for the goal of say muscle building, um, we're looking for things that just help facilitate greater improvements in training. Mm. Now, one that actually does the health side of things as well as that is creatine. Mm. So creatine is um, certainly kind of the number one supplement I recommend when it comes to the training and performance side of things. But alongside the improvements that it has in terms of maybe trying to help us um, uh, increase training volumes, we also have things like actually improving cognitive function, so improving um, uh, brain health, um, helps improve bone uh, absorption, so helps improve the strength of our bones in a direct way through the training volume increasing so our bones get stronger, but also indirectly as well from that. Um, And I'm trying to think kind of off the top of my head, another uh, help basically like some of my older clients, so I've got some clients in their kind of 60s, uh, going up, moving up towards their 70s, and certainly helping things like reduce sarcopenia, um, so the, the kind of muscle um, wastage that comes yeah. with age, that's it, and um, helping um, improve with, with muscle strength as well. So creatine it, is another is, one. Is that, is that kind of um, an indirect benefit of creatine in that they increase their training performance and thus they can slow down that muscle protein, uh, or sorry, that muscle protein? breakdown is that an indirect benefit of creatine or is that something that it does um just by the way of its of its compound 
from what I'm aware, it actually can help um, basically improve um, strength and muscle retention uh, without resistance training. So obviously for all the clients I'm working with, they are resistance training. But Mm. from what I've seen in the research, it can actually have improvements on that um, away from actually resistance training. So um, and this could be possibly something to think about actually if you're in periods of say injury and not training at all mm. is creatine supplementation could perhaps help avoid the reductions in muscle wastage and, and losses of muscle strength. So it's something that I definitely um, definitely recommend for a lot of my clients. Um, something else also that it does help with or it seems to help with um, is uh, basically what's known as um buffering of hydrogen so you know when you kind of do a lot of muscle contraction mm-hmm. and um, you get that kind of burn obviously in the muscle and you, you get basically what's known as a build-up of hydrogen so it causes this acidic kind of can you tell that i literally read something on creatine earlier on today <laughs> yeah. uh, i literally read like a 10 8 000 word um, meta-analysis on it so yeah that's how exciting my day was um but yeah helping helping actually um with with buffering uh of that kind of hydrogen in the muscle uh, in the muscle so improving performance in that way as well isn't that somewhat similar to beta alanine as well yeah 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 exactly and that's it that's another one there beta alanine you know it's um it does that exact same job um it's certainly something that i i recommend for um uh most clients who are engaging in kind of high intensity activities so um i've got a couple of um people on the books who are doing um ultra marathons Mm. um so they're they're, you know and and with their training and stuff um uh, when they're doing their kind of higher intensity runs beta alanine is something that i certainly um recommend for them as well um there's a few more but mate let me let me um let let me let you cover some um Mm. so obviously we've gone through vitamin d creatine um fish oils Mm -hmm. um and and obviously talked a little bit about about beta alanine there um, is there any other in particular that you kind of recommend for your clients? Yeah, uh, sometimes I'm just depending on on specifically, you know, if clients are going to be somebody who trains uh, late into the evening or not. Um, again, talking from a training performance perspective, caffeine is obviously a huge tool in our arsenal to increase training performance. Lots of research in, in, into caffeine and the benefits of using caffeine. Uh, but again, something we potentially steer away from uh, if we're going to be training late into the evening uh, and we want to pay attention to our, our sleep capabilities and our sleep efficiency. Um, and for somebody, and there's actually a question here from, from Josh, who is an online client as well, uh, thoughts on non-stimulant supplementation. And actually, mm-hmm. the only reason that I would look to use a non-stimulant pre-workout formula is if I was going to be training late in the evening. But yeah. actually, I would just use single ingredients and I would use, you know, maybe a creatine, a beta alanine and a citrulline malate or something to that effect. Um, mm-hmm. So I would dose that at three grams of citrulline malate, three grams of beta alanine, five grams of creatine, something like that. And that would be a pretty decent pre-workout formula with no yeah. stimulant so that you can you consume that, you know, late into the day and, and not affect your sleep. Um, and I think outside of that, there's not really much that is is worth mentioning really um everything else is going to be so much more uh specific to people who have potential health issues or who have um you know you know family history or or whatever but yeah for the general population i think we covered all bases there in, in terms of supplements that are um worthwhile considering when it comes to your financial 
you know, financial commitment to these things because that's what you've always got to weigh up as well is cost versus reward. Uh, is it going to be worthwhile forking out X amount of money for all of these different elaborate supplements when realistically the gains are so marginal in what we get from a training and performance perspective, it's just not worthwhile in most cases. Yeah, yeah, this this is, you know, uh, like you say, it's, a, it's something very much to, to bear in mind. Um, something might be worth mentioning is um, certain populations uh, in terms of supplementation, so like vegans and vegetarians. Mm. Um, so certainly, obviously, creatine we know has such wide... Um, wide-ranging benefits and vegans and vegetarians in particular would definitely benefit from creatine um, supplementation because obviously they're non-meat eating mm. most of our dietary creatine does come from meats um, yeah. yeah so you know certainly um, if you're vegetarian or vegan whether you train or not creatine is certainly a supplement that's worth actually including just the same as omega-3s you know omega-3 is very very hard to get um, in enough quantity from plant-based food um, so in plant-based food it comes in the form of ALA um, and then is essentially converted but the conversion is very very poor so for some you know vegans vegetarians um, certainly something like a krill oil is worth them taking because obviously they can't take a fish oil if they're particularly yeah. sort of strict with it yeah. so so krill oil is one that's worth taking and then um, essentially a vitamin kind of uh, vitamin B12 um, is is very, very important for them to be taking as well um, as maybe vitamin D, zinc and iron because they don't eat uh, any dairy or red meat as well. So that's something that's worth kind of talking about as when it comes to supplementation yeah. and this is it i think when it when we talk about supplementation whilst we always talk about it in the performance realm in the training realm really the reality is is that supplementation is something that is more important when your diet is perhaps um insufficient in certain quantities mm. um of certain things and so you know certainly certain people like vegans and um, the elderly really probably are the ones that need to pay much more attention to supplementation than healthy individuals with a, mm. a fairly wide varied diet you know that is sort of complete with animal proteins mm. um, we really don't need to worry too much we're we're kind of pretty good for it you know yeah. um, so it's only things where it's it's kind of it's nice to have you know like the pre-workout formulas mm. things like that but in reality you know um most supplementation the evidence and and things like that it, you know we should be kind of looking at actually what are the health benefits of it rather than just the training benefits yeah for sure yeah cool i think we kind of exhausted that one there i think that hopefully covers that question uh there was another cool question here that i thought we could troll um james on so uh, yeah. this question is our Arthur. thoughts on functional fitness uh and and it's funny isn't it because functional fitness what really is functional fitness there's not like a um a, a very definitive term of what functional yeah. fitness is i guess fitness in many aspects regardless of what modality of training you use uh can lead to, to an element of functionality so yeah if, if you get stronger doing resistance training in a bodybuilding manner that increase in strength could have a benefit on your functionality or how functional mm -hmm. you are in day-to-day -day life um, yeah. Now, obviously, some training lends itself more to um, what f I guess functional fitness guys would call um, being strong for life or being fit for life or doing things that make you fit for purpose. 
Um, so what, what are your kind of thoughts on that ads and, and uh, is it worthwhile ever considering for particular people and stuff like that? Yeah, so like you said there, it's, it's, it's a buzzword really because it doesn't have a, a particular meaning. It's not like anyone's ever gone, this is the definition of, of functional, um, in t- well, <laughs> when it comes to training, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, functional has a has a definition in the in the dictionary, um, and I really want to like look that up now. I really want to actually see yeah. what the, the dictionary version yeah, is. But when I'll it comes pull it up to, while you're talking. Yeah, so. but I mean, when it comes to to training, the way I look at functional is its variability. You know, its variation. So it's things that you um, typically don't get in a normal gym kind of training routine so mm-hmm. if we think of like planes of motion you know so a plane of motion that that's most people train in is forward and back yeah mm-hmm. it's flexion and extension everything's performed in this what they call a sagittal plane mm-hmm. um if if i'm looking to make a training uh program i guess functional i just want to include movements that don't just work in that plane of motion you know, so um, I want to have things in where I'm I'm moving from side to side. You know, like um, some kind of um, lateral kind of uh, lunges or something like that. Something that's a little bit different. Um, you know, we want to be like, like like I say, working on some things like grip strength. Um, you know, we want to be paying attention to um, the core as a whole. So not just kind of the six pack muscles. We want to kind of be looking at how do we perform um, in a range of activities. Now, one thing that I do, I do think is if you're trying to get really good at one thing, like let's say you want to be a um, amazing powerlifter, Mm. there is a certain amount of functional fitness or training to try and be sort of functional that is going to take away from your eventual goal. Mm. Because if you want to be brilliant at anything, you have to spend a particular amount of time focusing on that thing. And, you know, whilst like joint range of motion is, is great and, you know, in, a, in very functional programs, you might see them spend a, a lot of time on mobility work for a, a power lifter being um, overly mobile is a bad thing. Yeah, you know, sure. they need they need stiffness in their joints. And so this is something that when it comes to functional fitness, it's to look at well, what is your main goal? You know, mm-hmm. what is it that you want to do if you want to be um, a top bodybuilder? There's a certain amount of time and volume that you're going to have to spend on, you know, essentially your chest, your back, things of that nature. You're not going to be spending a load of time working on, um, you know, like lateral lunges and stuff like that, you know, in your, on your adductors. It's not something you're going to be paying too much attention to. So really what I'm looking at when I'm trying to make a program that's, let's say, functional is a balance between what is the end goal? What is the yeah. ultimate end goal? And how can I just make sure that this gut person, you know, isn't completely fucking themselves up by doing that, if you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And so for me, functionality in a program just comes to giving them a bit of variation that's different from what they normally do um, and, and essentially using that as a way of supplementing their training rather than overtaking their training. Yeah. Um, you know, I see a lot of programs that are done now and um, – uh, it's it's what I would say is that the new training, which is very much kind of functional, is more um, gamified. So mm-hmm. it's it's more of like it's more of like an obstacle course for training. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's going from say deadlifts to um, rows. It's going from rows to handstands. You know, it's a lot of variation, a lot of variability. And what happens is is when you make your pull that wide. 
it becomes shallower. So you get a little bit worse. You don't get a whole lot better at one thing. You know, yeah. you can get a little bit better at everything, but obviously when you're spreading yourself that thinly, um, you've got to bear in mind that you know you're not going to see your say deadlift jump up in the same way that a powerlifter who's training for their deadlift would. And so this is what I mean. This is when it comes to functional fitness. It's what is the ultimate end goal, and how can you um, still achieve that whilst including some variation in your program? Yeah, I really like that. Um, and I think a nice way to to summarize that would be with the the Google definition, which has come. Okay. It doesn't actually tell you from what dictionary it's come from. Uh, but number one, I don't think is the the term that we want. But number two says designed to be practical and useful rather than attractive, uh, which kind of makes sense, is doesn't it? Uh, especially when we think yeah. about it from a fitness standpoint, um, that is kind of the emphasis, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. we're not doing this to to look a certain way or for training to look a certain way. We're doing this to, I guess, from their 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 views, is to move better, to be more mobile to be better better equipped for for daily life um so there's that i I like that um i like that agenda for training it's just Mm -hmm. being better for life that's a really nice way to have an outlook on your training but like you say people run away with the idea of it too much and kind of get carried away with doing these crazy elaborate training yeah well i think as also as well is i think um also as well as Actually, from from what I've seen from a lot of the people who are kind of um, specialising in this functional fitness kind of approach, is um, it's actually the the kind of goal is of it is that it is different. It's a different mm-hmm. session every time, mm-hmm. and therefore for some people it is very attractive because they're doing something different every single time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no stagnation in terms of boredom with the program. Mm-hmm. However, whether that type of programming does lend itself to perhaps not particularly making huge performance increases yeah. um, is something that could perhaps be argued, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a case of actually has uh, the functional fitness realm started moving a little bit away from being kind of practical and unattractive to actually being more, like I say, gamified. It's yeah. you know, you've got rounds, you've got challenges to beat, you've got times, and this is it. I think functional fitness is moving towards from what I've seen, more towards CrossFit in that it's now, comp, you know, it will be competitions and things like yeah. that, which I think is great because people love it. It keeps them coming back for more. But um, but how functional it is is something that I guess could be completely argued and is, is all opinion-based, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's all about context, isn't it? Exactly. Um, yeah, cool. Okay. Um, there are a few more questions on here. I'm going to probably pick out just one more. Uh, so that we don't drag this on for too, too long. Um, hmm. Let's go for this one. This one is from uh, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, we can both talk on this, uh, but he was talking in actor? reference. Yeah, no, Anthony Hopkins. No, it, no, no. Uh, not, so, not, did I say Anthony, did I? It's Alid. <laughs> yeah. It's Alid, sorry. It's not Anthony. Okay. Oh, uh, oh. It just came up A. Hopkins on my Instagram, <laughs> but it's, it's Alid, not Anthony. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So he was talking about in reference to me um, saying something along the lines of um, your progression in the gym from a progressive overload standpoint, if we're talking about bodybuilding and building muscle, um, will be derived more from 
getting stronger than it will from just continually adding volume because there is a limit to how much of that we can do. Uh, and basically what he asks is, can you just speak more in depth on your post reference the balance between adding volume or adding weight? So the point that I was trying to make is, as I just said, is you, you, this idea of increasing volume to build muscle is correct to, to some extent, but that increase in volume will largely come from getting stronger over time. And it will not come from simply adding more sets adding more work within a training session you can do that to some extent across a training cycle of course you can but there is a limit to that and there is a limit in terms of your recoverability and how you can perform in subsequent training sessions if you continually just add sets and add repetitions so yeah. the point that i was trying to make is that we should be paying attention to strength increases um, becoming better at m movements and getting stronger at movements and increasing our performance that way as a means of building muscle rather than solely focusing on adding sets you've got anything to add on that ads yeah um i, I would say that like um you know i love an analogy and i've just mm. thought of this one so it it might seem Be bear with it <laughs> yeah bear with it it might not work but like the way i would look at volume and strength increases and actually how they relate um in terms of um strength over time is imagine that you've got a a garden yeah mm. so you've got a fenced garden so you've got a limited amount of space and you decide to plant a load of trees in this garden, yeah? So over time, you can plant more and more and more trees. However, at some point, you're going to start hitting fences and you're not going to be able to plant any more trees. So the way that you're going to be able to achieve more volume of tree is by growing the tree. Right. So the peaks of the trees are going to get higher and higher. And if we so think about strength, strength, yeah. if we think about strength as being the height of the tree, Mm -hmm. This is how essentially we're getting more volume. You know, the tree or your strength is growing larger and larger and larger within a realm of, let's say, hard working sets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we know we just can't keep adding sets and adding sets and adding sets and adding sets. We'll run out of time. We'll run out of recovery. And eventually it becomes a point where actually strength starts to diminish because we're just adding on lots and lots and lots of junk volume. You know, so that's the kind of approach I would say. That's how I feel that they interrelate is if you can build your peaks, you can build your trees higher and your strength higher within a certain amount of, let's say, hardworking sets, you're going to accrue more volume over time and you, you are indefinitely going to get bigger. Um, and so you that's, nailed that's, that. There we go. You nailed that. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, six thirty on a Friday evening is is my good thinking time. time. Yeah, that's yeah. time. But yeah, no, I think that's like a, a perhaps a good way of thinking of it. Um, you know, my in terms of my the hard working sets, you know, I, I do less hard working sets than um, I did when I was younger, and yet I, you know, I'm bigger and growing at a rate that is still pretty decent for for my training age. I would say now. Um, despite not doing more and more hard working sets and actually doing less total volume over the session. However, week to week, month to month, my, my strength increases are much more um, uh, consistent now compared to, you know, when I was younger and I used to just basically go hit failure on every set and, mm -hmm. and you know, actually see decrements and, and decreases in performance mm -hmm. as I moved through a training block because I was just so tired all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, so. I really like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy um, and hopefully kind of shed some more light on on what i was trying to get at there and hopefully that kind of all makes sense now uh cool that's a i think that's a really nice time for a podcast 40 minutes i don't usually listen beyond that it gets a bit boring 
Um, yeah. So I think we'll probably wrap it up there. Mate, I definitely don't listen to our podcast for uh, longer than that. <laughs> no, you get like two minutes in and that's Yeah, it. and then I just hear listen to myself talk and I'm like, oh my God, what am I? <laughs> uh, cool. Let's wrap it up there then. Um, so thank you very much for listening, guys. Hopefully you've enjoyed those topics. Um, Adam will be coming Adam will be coming up with. Adam and I will be coming up with um, the next topic for the podcast. It won't be a Q&A. Uh, so do look forward to that. Uh, we have synced our diaries and Friday is the day, he says with a smirk on his face because I'm sure I've <laughs> said that many a time before. Um, but that is the plan at least. Um, so yes. Okay, so hopefully you're listening to this on a Saturday morning on your morning walk with a dog or whatever. Enjoy your weekend and we will speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Team No Cavs Radio. Remember, plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, progressive overload, and boom, anything is possible. 